listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. It's long and This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is Sci-Fi Diner Conversations, Episode 78. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And are you ready, Miles? Yes, let's do it. We're going to spoil stuff today. All right. (laughs) No, this is going to be awesome. We're going to talk about all sorts of things we're watching. And, you know, I'm going to be honest. We don't majorly spoil stuff. And... Um, but even so, I'm not the type of person that gets really worked up about spoilers because I still enjoy the process of watching the show. But I know there are those purists out there that say, oh, don't spoil it for me. Yeah, well, so they're kind of like these people who they, they buy a new book and they says, oh, yeah, I read that. That was a great book. Um, the butler did it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that's us. That's us, yeah. yeah that's us. <laughs> we do that. We're, we're the people that spoil it. No, we don't. We're that guy. Yeah, we are that guy. Mm-hmm. But anyways, tonight we have a lot of good things to talk about. Uh, Continuum, Walking Dead, mm-hmm. uh, The Great and Powerful Oz, or whatever it's called. Oh, yes. Because uh, mm-hmm. you saw that. That mm-hmm. plays in, right? That, that, uh, we, have some listen, we have some listener feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be an all-around great show. If you want to call in and give us th- your thoughts about what you're watching in television, what you're watching in the movies, what you're watching on the web, what you're reading in books... You can do so at one 508 4343 or just go to our website, sci com, and click on the Speak Pipe widget in the sidebar and mm. leave us your message. So it's pretty cool. Very cool. All right. So uh, let's jump in. Uh, what, have you been, what have you been doing in the world of sci-fi, Miles? Well, this is maybe more sci-fi fantasy. Oh, but... we're going to get into this discussion now. Yeah, we... I mean, we just had this discussion. But, um, <laughs> well... The Wizard of Oz, or The Great and Powerful Oz. Last uh, week, it was my wife and uh, my wedding anniversary, so... Congratulations. Went, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I was at your wedding. He was. Uh, That's very so, true. I, I sang Shania Twain. He oh, did, wait, I didn't sing it. He, he, he sang the, the, the male part in the Shania I Twain did. song. Yes. That was very true. Yes. Don't so, ask me to do it now. <laughs> but um, so, we, so, we, so we saw The Great Powerful Oz uh, starring uh, James Franco, uh, Mila Kunis, and uh, Rachel Weiss and uh, Michelle Williams, uh, probably familiar names to you, but very, very enjoyable movie. It's, it's um, as an adult, I, I, you know, I didn't feel too dumbed down for me, but it's definitely safe. Take your children too. And it, it, it's, it, so it's, it's family friendly. Um, Even the baboons? The baboons might be a little scary. That's the only thing I'm thinking, but I, but it wasn't over the top. I, I, I don't think anyways. All right. Um, but yeah, it, it was cool. They kind of even a little slightly steampunk in some places. Ooh. Yeah. Steampunk-ish. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So we saw that last week. Um, so we the, saw- real, the real question that some people had in our forum, uh, in, our, in our Facebook page was, did James Franco phone it in? See, I don't understand that reference. Uh, the, what does it mean by phoning it in? This means like you didn't really show up to act. You just kind of was there. Oh, that's a good... Well, I thought he did a good job. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't, you know. Was it better than his performance in, uh, in the Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Um, it, it, they're different movies, so all I could see if he, if he, if he just phoned it in, you know, his his phoning it in is is better than some people's serious acting. That's you know. Okay, well that says something right there. How about when he played Gollum in Lord of the Rings? I'm just kidding. Uh, just kidding. I know he didn't do that. Andy Serkis did. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, confusing actors. Confusing actors. But. but what was cool, we saw this in um, 3D IMAX, and so you had the big screen, but the trailers, the uh, the Iron Man trailer in, in 3D IMAX was awesome. Oh. Yeah, so. Same trailer we saw? Same trailer we saw. Just in 3D. And it was just 3D and, and on a Can huge... you imagine me seeing that? I wouldn't be able to speak. I was virtually, we, I was virtually bub- blubbering the last podcast we talked about. We it. might have to give you... Uh, a sedative when you watch the movie, just so you don't. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Right. When's it coming out again? Um, May, I think. Uh, I have to check again. I'm gonna have to go to two movies in May. Yeah, I know. It's it, this. This summer's gonna be a heavy, heavy um, <sighs> movie month. So, or, there's, there's a lot of good movies this summer. Yeah, there is. There is. Um, so, what else in your sci-fi world? Um, still, in, still enjoying Continuum. Still we'll en- talk about that in a little still bit. Still enjoying Walking Dead. Um, I haven't seen Arrow in a couple of weeks. I guess they're they've yeah, it's been something. a hiatus. They'll be back. So hope, hopefully we'll see see them soon. I haven't seen anything uh, new since then. I did notice that uh, Game of Thrones season two is now available on Netflix, and so um, I've already uh, put that on my queue too. Um, I'm still working through the Game of Thrones books. So. Okay. Um, well, uh, so talking about my, I'm, I'm working through the Game of Thrones book. I am about halfway through book five. Absolutely loving it. It's an incredible book. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit irked with Daenerys. Maybe, uh, book five, sorry, Daenerys, I know you haven't read it, but, you know, book five, Daenerys is kind of wishy-washy, she doesn't know what in the heck's going on. Uh, now, granted, I'm only halfway through, and I realized that maybe she developed, and I heard that she becomes, like, the most awesome character. Right now, I'm not buying it. Mm-hmm. She's got hang out in the city and doesn't know, well, should I attack? What do I do with my dragon? Oh, they're so overpowerful. I can't control them. Whoa, is me. I mean, I'm sorry. This <laughs> just gets a bit much for me. Right. And so, uh... But I am really enjoying. That being said, there are some th- there are surprises that are coming out in the book that I'm really enjoying. Um, I know I heard that halfway through, all the characters come back. Like so, book four and five, he kind of splits it up into different parts. Like book four focuses on half the characters. Book five, kind of at least partway through, focuses on the other half, and then they bring them all together. Hmm. I don't know why he chose to wrote it that wrote, wrote it to write it that way. I don't mm-hmm. know, uh, but. I am enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also very much excited to get into Terry Brooks' next novel on the sort of Shannara series. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I'm waiting. I, I'm forcing myself to get through this last book because I know if I stop going through Game of Thrones, I'll have to like start all over. Book five. Yeah, I, I'm not reading anything new right now. Um, there's a new Star Trek novel that written by Greg Cox. I'll probably buy for the Kindle when it becomes available. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still working my way through Grimm. Mm-hmm. I am almost through season one. Absolutely loving season one. It's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty incredible. Things are really ramping up. Uh, Sasha Reyes is in there. Oh, good. Yeah, he's in there. He's you know kind of the captain of the police department. Does a really good role, and he kind of has his alternate agenda as well. And mm-hmm. um, the guy that plays Grimm's being kind of manipulated a little bit behind the scenes. But it's very cool. They do a really nice job of tying in the fairy tales. A little bit more grotesque and horror-esque than Once Upon a Time is regarding that. Sure. I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And I'm about halfway through James Bond Skyfall. 
I uh, and it's a movie that I am excited about seeing, but I got halfway through it and I was tired, and I knew if I would have watched it, I just wouldn't have really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. So I stopped, mm-hmm. but I haven't gotten back to finish it. It's available on DVD. I'm gonna have to write that. When you, you haven't seen it yet, I haven't seen it. Yet. The old James Bond, James Bond dies. Well, he's gonna have to die eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Continuum. Continuum yes. ended this week. Tell us. Well, season one ended this week. Tell me about season one ending. How did that feel to you? What did you think of the wrap-up of this series? Uh, it was a wild ride. Um, I'm almost, uh, you know, in one, you know, afraid to, to, to say some of the stuff. I mean, basically, there's basically in, in that time, there's this building that blown up. Um, and um, so... Kira is trying to stop it from happening, and she, I, she, she. There's this guy that recognizes. He looks like this this homeless guy predicting the end of the world sort of thing. Um, I forget the actor's name, but he was in Sanctuary. Um, I'm trying to remember the character's name. He was. He wasn't. He wasn't like the original five or four that um, that was part of uh, um, that group. But he, you know. But he, he he was a thorn in um, Amanda Tapping's side throughout the series. Okay, uh, I wish, it, but he guest starred in that, and he was he was he was pretty good in that. Uh, but he says he came from the future too. It's not Watson. Watson, am I thinking? Is my, it Watson? It, the mechanical heart guy? No, it's, it's another guy. He was a bad guy. He 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 kept giving. It's them. not like Jack the uh, not Jack the River. It's the, not the two faced Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. That guy. It may have been Hyde, yeah. Okay. It may. I think. I think. I think it might. It probably was Hyde. We could just IMDb the sucker. But go ahead, keep talking. So he guest starred in it, and he said, you know, the explosion sent him back, but sent him twenty years even further back, and so he was in a mental institution for a while, and um, and so he 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 hangs out with Cure for a while, and he says he he's built a time machine. He just needs something to a catalyst or something, and she has that that remnant. She got that piece back, by the way. Um, but they're trying to stop this building from blowing up. And Alex's stepbrother is heavily involved in this one. Um, Kagami recruits him. Basically, what, what, his, what the, uh, Julian thinks is a suicide mission um, to blow this building up. But um, in the end, I'm not going to give away everything because Scott hasn't seen it yet. But uh, in the end, um, Lexa Doig's character has been on, on a mission from Kagami. And and she meets up with basically Kagami's mother, and he's been the baby of Kagami's been born, and she says, um, you know, I I can't get basically gives her all I guess some things to help set this woman for life or whatever, and um, and then her one boyfriend that's part of uh, Liberate, he, he's suspicious of what's going on, and uh, at basically at the end, you know, she says. You know, this was what Gami wanted her to do, and she says, "Also, by the way, um, he 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 wanted me to uh, succeed you." And she's pointing a gun at him. So, um, so yeah. Um, so powerful ending. Very powerful ending. Uh, Alec knows more about his future now because he was he followed his brother Julian in the episode, and it's, and it's where Kagami and his, the people are are hanging out at, and um. Kagami also he, Alec is an important part of Kagami's future, and so he's not going to kill him or anything. And um, but Alec has found out some more unpleasant stuff about himself, and so uh, at, but at the end you see a basically older Julian has had a profound influence on Kagami's life. So you see older Julian in the in the future um, talking with Kagami. 
but yeah, uh, Continuum, love the series. Glad. Uh, that it, I, mean, I guess season two is airing in Canada right now. Yeah, or beginning to air or something like that. So I, I can't wait till season two comes back here. It'll be it's awesome. Good show. Yeah. Well, we didn't get a lot of feedback in the final episode. I think because it just aired last night. But yeah. We did have Jed M and Lee Kemp said, well, I can't watch it. It's too much, too much sci-fi. Stop putting out sci-fi. No more new sci-fi. <laughs> Though, because there's just too much to watch. And there is a lot of sci-fi. I mean, we are watching half the shows that we could be watching. Whoa, there goes the computer. Um, But, you know, because we just would be unable to do it. Right. And there's there's, uh, Defiance is coming out in April, which I want to see. Oh, that'll be awesome. Can't wait for that. And uh, Warehouse 13 comes out uh, April 29th. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to be there for that. Yeah. Well, Walking Dead, how about thoughts on Prey? What did you think of this episode, Prey? Honestly, I didn't like this episode as much, and I'm not sure why. I just, um, well, we only we, basically it's it's from uh, An- Andrea and the governor. It's it's mostly with them, um, and basically she she she's left Woodbury and he's he's gone out after her, and um, he, he she's trying to warn uh, Rick and. and the people about what what the governor's plans are, and so it's it's her chase, you know, being chased by him and evading him, and you think she found a creative way to finish him off, but it's like they're not killing the governor now. Oh no, they won't. Uh, I mean, it you know it it looked like he, you know you know I'll just you know she she, she there, there's walkers in this. I guess there's this um, uh, in this barn or whatever, and. She she manipulates him into going this one part, and all these walkers are there, and you think he's gonna get eaten by walkers, but he manages to to grab her at the end. Rick sees her very briefly; he, at least he thinks he does, and that's how it ends. So there's two more episodes of Walking Dead before uh, it, it um, for the finale. For the finale, yeah. Wow! So we'll find out how it all ends in so, just a little bit. So it's it's headed for a big blow up. We know that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you, but not not your favorite episode. This episode's probably my least favorite episode of of, of this season Ooh, so it's far. Pretty strong. Yeah. Jen M doesn't totally agree with you. She said, I thought it was a pretty good episode, although I'm dreading what the government was putting together when I saw those changes put together because they did get past that part in the comics. Although I didn't expect you might use them on Andrea. Ick. I hope they don't go that far until the next episode. Yeah, that was a creepy scene. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Oh, uh, you aren't watching Grimm, are you? Uh, no, uh, no, I don't. No, so but Grimm uh, two point fourteen natural born vessen uh, uh, was on, and Jen M again comments that I thought it was pretty good again, although I found it kind of confusing what Juliet was going through and why wasn't the captain or Nick going through it as well? I also find it kind of funny that nobody, not even Rosalie, went up to check on her. My DVR cut me off again at the end of the episode when Juliet got that phone call. Dang it. So I didn't get to hear who she was talking to. So if any of you listeners can go out there and actually answer these questions that Jen is burning to know, Mm -hmm. please let us know and we will share them with Jen because I'm not caught up in season two. I'm I'm working my way through season one, as you already heard. Sure. Well, Judy Judy called in with thoughts on Continuum and Doctor Who. So why don't we go ahead and hear from... Julie here. Good evening, Scott and Miles and everybody in the booths at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. This is Chuchy Judy, the Polish blonde from central Massachusetts. And I wanted to call in. Thank you guys tremendously for all your recommendations on the show Continuum. I was a diehard Fringe fan 
Of course, now that show is over and I was severely feeling the loss of some decent sci-fi in my TV viewership. And thank you for recommending it. I am now all caught up and can't wait for more. Did you know on November 23rd, 1963, Doctor Who was first broadcast on the BBC, making this its 50th anniversary year. And there are a lot of things coming for us diehard Doctor Who fans. For right now, those of you who are Doctor Who fans like me, there are two podcasts I would like to recommend. First off, podcast called Splendid Chaps. These are comedians out of Australia, and they are hilarious. They are doing a special podcast for this year, for the 50th anniversary, tackling each doctor's era and maybe a main theme of each era. They are hilarious. I would caution you for listening at work because you may annoy your coworkers by laughing aloud too much. I know I've already had to make that decision not to listen to it at work, but it is a great one and I'm sure any Doctor Who fan would enjoy it. The other one podcast that I'd like also to recommend is Doctor Who Verity. This one is for the Time Ladies because it is by Time Ladies. Most of them are diehard Doctor Who fans like me, so they were great to listen to, but it definitely has a very feminine tone to it. So not sure if the guys would get too much out of it, but for the ladies, this one's really good. So thanks a lot for letting me get my two pence in, and I'll see you on the other side. Thank you so much for calling in. You Polish blonde, you. Uh, yeah, and it's great. I mean, I'm glad that you're enjoying Continuum. Continuum is a really good show, and I'm glad that we could kind of turn you on to that. Likewise. And, um, hey, these other podcasts, uh, if, um, you know, we're, we're still looking for some uh, new promos to play for the, on the main show. So if you feel if you like it, um, get a hold of them. Maybe ask them if they have a promo or make a promo. Miles, Miles, I didn't tell you this. She already did. She oh. already contacted them. So that's awesome. Oh, okay. So she's she's you're right thinking with what she said. I sent him an email saying you gotta send these guys promos. But we're, well, at least we're all on the same page. Yeah, here. <laughs> and you know what? I, I like the fact that she's plugging them here and that these are podcasts that she's connecting to. The splendid chap sounds hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have any Doctor Who pod, uh, podcast promos today. So this will no, be a good one. This will be a good one. And I'm a I am a Doctor Who fanatic. I cannot wait for mm-hmm. the new season to start. Just over a month, mm-hmm. and uh, then we can talk who again, and that's great. And the 50th anniversary trailer came out. It's not actually airing until November 23rd or something like that. Um, but I cannot wait. It's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you, Judy, for calling in and giving us your thoughts on Continuum and the Doctor Who and something you're a, fan, a fanatic about. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, a couple of the things before we get out of the listener feedback episode. Um, apparently, uh, Friedman defended Fox's decisions to axe his show after two seasons. He wrote the Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles, mm-hmm. and he axed it. And here's what some of you had to say about that axing, right? Uh, so why don't we take every other one? Mm-hmm. Do you have the notes in front of you here? Yes. So I'll read Neil. Neil said this. The basic gist is science fiction is hard, and basic television audience doesn't have the patience for anything hard. Mm-hmm. So it's too, in- it's too intellectual for television. Kevin Batchelder says, oh, the vast majority of TV uh, don't want to think. They want mindless entertainment, and, and most good sci-fi isn't mindless. 
Do you want to read his next comment as well? And uh, he also says, Terminator would have a better chance of succeeding if Reed hadn't made season two inside Sarah's head so much. The director they, they took in season two lost a lot of the Terminator fans. Yeah. Anthony Dick said, I can't recall too much of season two, but it ended pretty clever and had the potential. And if I remember correctly, had the hottest tea ever? Hmm. I'm not sure which... Uh, Summer Glau? S- Summer Glau or um, uh, Sharon, you know, was it... Uh, sh- sh- um, the girl played the T-1000, uh, Sharon Manson. Uh, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, he did say girl, right? Oh, so right, it's, right. it's one of those two. No, one of those two. Not, mm-hmm. not John Henry? Not John Henry? I don't think it was... T- not no. the hottest T. Uh, well, I guess maybe if you're a gal, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, so... so uh, a little bit confused, sir, Anthony. So, no. <laughs> Anthony, if, maybe, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe tell us who you're, who you're referring to. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, apparently, this came in from Radu in uh, Canada, who, of course, is in Vancouver, where all, Vancouver, 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 where all good sci-fi is shot, sure. and they started shooting a pilot with Carl Urban oh, wow. there, and he's, this is actually a J.J. Abrams script mm-hmm. um, for a future drama pilot. There's no real title for this, and uh, but they began shooting it, and the only information I could find on it is... It was formerly called Inhuman, and the project reunites Urban, who plays Bones' Star Trek movie, with the franchise's Helms, Helmer Abrams. The action-packed buddy cop show from Warner Brothers TV and Bad Robot is set in the near future when all LAPD officers are partnered with highly evolved human-like androids. It centers on one th- such pairing, cop John Kennex Urban, and his android partner, Dorian Ely. So Ely is the person playing him. Um, well, that's because Michael Ely. Uh... Uh, Kennex is described as a respected police officer who was shut down emotionally after a tragic mission left him critically injured. The cast of the pilot also includes Lily Taylor and Minka Kelly. This marks the first series regular role for Urban, who recently played the title character in another futuristic cop project, Dread 3D. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, that's the only news we have on it. But it sounds interesting, though. We'll, we'll see if the networks pick it up, right? Mm-hmm. See if they pick it up. And I believe that's about it. I have one other piece of news here. Maybe I will just go out with this okay. and just leave you with this. But it is uh, Blaster recently aired, or someone created a video called "Said the Death Star, the, Death, the Destruction of the Death Star was an Inside Job." Oh gosh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just we're just going to end by playing this. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed this listener feedback show. If you want to leave your voicemail, one eight eight eight. 1-888-508-4343. Leave us a message on SpeakPipe on the website as well. Join us on our Facebook fan page. And uh, visit us at the SciFiDinerPodcast.com. If you like what we do, there's a tip jar to throw some coins in. We wouldn't uh, refuse. Yeah, we definitely wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So uh, I believe that's about it, Miles. All right. Well, till next time, good night and good luck. On that fateful day, the day the Empire was attacked... All the crew, staff, and guests, including security personnel and imperial officials, with the exception of one, were killed when the terrorist organization known as the Rebel Alliance blew up the Death Star with a squad of single-man fighters. The terrorists detonated the Central core with proton torpedoes, destroying the prominent political target. But could the destruction of the Death Star have been an inside job perpetrated by top-ranking imperial officials and royalty? What really happened that day? What's the likelihood that a squad of one-man attack ships like the X-Wing could penetrate the defenses of a heavily fortified moon-sized battle station? Even if a ship was somehow able to slip through, 
The difficulty of torpedoing a tiny ventilation shaft necessary to detonate the core is extremely high. In fact, a decorated and experienced Rebel Alliance fighter pilot, Wedge Antilles, is quoted as saying, it's impossible. So how did the attackers make it through the defensive turrets on the Death Star's surface and swarms of Imperial TIE fighters? Well, most of them didn't. Let's take a look at one of the few that did. Luke Skywalker piloted the Rebel Alliance issued X-Wing fighter that, according to the official story, fired the two critical torpedoes into the two-foot ventilation shaft opening. The impossible shot. Luke was a farm boy, raised by his aunt and uncle on a desert planet with little to no professional combat or flight training. Every other experienced Rebel fighter pilot that day was killed or failed in their attack run. So what made Luke different? One element might be his family connections. Anakin Skywalker, known also by the moniker Darth Vader, is the overseeing manager and one of the chief commanding officers on the Death Star. He outranks admirals and is second in command only to the Emperor himself. Anakin is also Luke Skywalker's father. Anakin Skywalker was on the Death Star as the commanding officer on that fateful day. For some reason, he made an unorthodox and unprecedented move to personally fly a TIE fighter in the battle. Recovered logs show he relieved the fully qualified TIE fighter squad leader of his duty and assumed command of the squad conveniently just as Luke, his own son, was readying the final stages of the attack along the surface of the Death Star. Why would the highest in command of the most powerful battle station give up control and take on such a menial task as piloting a single fighter? It makes sense when one learns that he was the only member of the Imperial forces to survive the attack. Let's look at the events leading up to the detonation. The Death Star's defenses easily staved off most of the Rebel Alliance terrorists until the only remaining fighter was Luke's X-Wing. As he approached the ventilation duct along the trench, his father Anakin was now leading the three TIE fighters in direct pursuit. Logs show pilots in the TIE fighter squads were prepared to fire on Luke's X-Wing when they were ordered to stand down by Anakin Skywalker himself. Was he simply protecting his own son? Or was he setting the stage for a larger plan? It's worth noting that the experienced veteran pilot was unable to hit the bent target with the same X-Wing, the same torpedoes, from the same position as Luke. Directly after Wedge's failed run, Luke, with no training, was able to make a million in one shot, all the while being followed and protected by his own father. Isn't it possible that the torpedoes never had to hit their target at all for their plan to work? Unconfirmed reports indicate a third-party ship was present. This ship was not on record as being of Rebel Alliance or Imperial origin. Reports identify it as a Karelian-class fighter vessel, often modified and used by smugglers and mercenaries. This very ship was seen docked at the Death Star just prior to the attacks and may have been used to smuggle key members of both Imperial and Rebel connections. Could Anakin have planned for a mercenary smuggling ship to detonate explosives? The Rebel plan was based on structural and defensive intelligence of the Death Star, gathered under suspicious circumstances, raising even more questions. The root origins of the intel is unknown, but they somehow ended up in the hands of Leia Organa Solo, who was the Princess of Alderbron, the leader of the terrorist group Rebel Alliance, and you guessed it, the daughter of Anakin and sister of Luke. Leia Organa Solo, also known as Leia Amidala Skywalker, was on a transport ship with the intelligence not long before the Death Star was destroyed. The transport ship was intercepted by an Imperial-class destroyer commanded by her own father, Anakin. 
The intelligence was uploaded to an R2 android and translation droid, now determined to have been created by Anakin Skywalker himself. Why would the leader of the terrorist group choose to use androids created by the enemy? Could it be the plans were meant to end up in terrorist hands all along? Not convinced yet? From the time her transport ship was intercepted by her father's Imperial destroyer, records show she was taken to the Death Star, and multiple witnesses state she was seen in the Death Star control room when the planet she was princess of, Aldebaran, was destroyed and all its inhabitants killed. Her brother Luke then secretly transported her directly to the Rebel Alliance facility to head the final stages of the attack and destruction of the Death Star itself. Witnesses report she was transported in a Karelian freighter vessel, exactly like the one reported to have assisted Anakin and Luke blow up the Death Star and escape. Isn't it quite possible that Leia was working with her father and brother, a family who felt destined to control the galaxy itself? Could the Death Star have been destroyed by Anakin to protect his daughter and hide evidence of her involvement with the Aldebaran tragedy? Or perhaps it was for pure profits, as the contracts for constructing the second Death Star were awarded to Anakin Skywalker's very own construction company. Or maybe it was as the official story goes, a simple farm boy with minimal combat training while working for his sister's terrorist group manages to blow up the most heavily fortified battle station ever made that happened to belong to his father, who happened to be the only surviving crew member that day. You decide.